Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Thank you, Father. We celebrate you, Lord. We ask that, Lord God, you remove doubt amongst this body. In Jesus' name. And replace it, Lord God, with great faith. Thank you, Lord. Stand with me, if you will. I'm a child of God. The Father loves me. The Father forgives me. The Father wants me. I am His, and He is mine. Therefore, my past won't haunt me. The future doesn't scare me because in his presence is where I live. Amen. 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 Worthy is your name, God. I just want to celebrate um, the significance of what I saw. Because as I've been going to work, when I haven't been sick. Um, I've seen that man walking in with a walker because of the pain that's in his back. And I've seen him struggle just to, to get out of a seat and to get back in it. So to see him run up along right here, I'm going to tell you, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And so I want to celebrate what the Lord has done. And immediately what comes into some of our minds is like, will it last? Is it, is it real? Did it, did it really happen? Was it just emotionalism? You now know the voice of your enemy that tries to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. I realize that we may not be used to, as a congregation, some, how would you say, emphatic worship or, or, or um, massive, if you want to describe it, like moves of the Holy Spirit, um, but that, that was a massive move of the Holy Spirit right there. And I want to take time to honor what the Lord did, because if you, if you don't recognize and give honor to what Jesus did, why would he do it again? The Bible says that he did not do very many miracles at all in his hometown 
It's not because he did not have the power. It's because they wouldn't engage through faith to release the power that he had. They rationalized in their mind. Isn't, he, isn't that Joseph's son? And you will rationalize in your mind a lot the, with, with your flesh and the enemy to try and destroy the work that God wants to do amongst this congregation. And quite frankly, I'm done with it for me. I, I really am. And um, I, we're done with it as a body. Okay? We're ending the, we're ending listening and to the voice of the enemy to try and rationalize us out of how good and awesome our Father is. And that doesn't mean I have to understand everything and have everything put together of what God is doing. It just means I'm, I'm going to exercise my faith instead of um, my fleshly wisdom or my fleshly, you know, need to explain things or explain things away. I'm done with that. So what this does is it tells me of what we're going to talk about today. Because last Sunday I thought was kind of cool. I even made a PowerPoint, although you couldn't see it. It was up there. It's probably about that big. But we're, and so we're, we'll get, actually it might tie into at least one of the PowerPoints that's up there. But I, I have a bunch of scripture in there, and uh, we're going to get to that. But I, here's what the Lord laid on my heart last night. And I've been listening to some people, and this did not come from somebody else. This came from the Lord. I, I believe it came from the Lord. I, I say that because I never want to say something came from the Lord if I'm not sure it did come from the Lord because I don't want to take his name in vain. And that's part of it, saying God did something that he did. And by the way, these are, um, these are refrigerator magnets of the Bostics, and I have a lot of them. And so come get some after service, put it on your refrigerator so that when you see this, you know to pray for them, the Bostics in Tanzania. So I also have Tanzanian honey in my office. First come, first serve. Okay. Um, that I need to get rid of. Also, there are coffee cups in the, the area by my office, that little kitchenette area. There are coffee cups there that have pictures of the Bostics on that as well. They left stuff here. They, you know, can't ship it anywhere, so come and get it, okay? All right. What I'm going to tell you today is um, I want to talk to you about uh, some personal keys for personal revival for you, okay, and for me. These are some personal keys that, um, uh, to revival personally, um, because uh, it starts here, right, and what's expressed in a group is when the entire group is starting to individually get this. And then there's a collective, there, there's a group of people who are together with this, this desire, this, this, this burning. Um, and, and you know it's there because there's a fight against it, right? Um, there's this desire where God is speaking to you. The other night, um, 
uh, I was going up and going to bed at around, I don't know, like 8.30, o'clock. I was really tired. I went to bed, and uh, all of a sudden, I was just, I was stirred. I was listening. I'm like, man. So I went back downstairs. I'm like, kids, get off your computers. Get the Bible. Uh, let's go through Mark. We're going to go through Mark. Grab the wife. Rip her off the leather thing. I didn't have to. She came running in. We got into the Word of God, and we started, we started reading just uh, the Gospel of Mark, the first few chapters. And I'm like, because when you feel the stirring of God that's moving, you, you don't rationalize it away. Don't, don't explain it away. Don't, it's, not, it's something that I'll get to tomorrow, or that's a good idea. No, you've you got to act on what God is doing in that moment. And so I was stirred, so I got up. And I'd, I'd like to say that the heaven split and the Spirit poured out. That's not what necessarily happened. But we had a good time in the Word of God. Because I'm thinking that someday I'm going to be gone from this earth. Right? And, 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 and so I, I want what is in me, a passion for God, to be transferred to my children. And, and knowledge can get transferred, but passion has to be stoked. They've got to see that in, in mom and dad. They've got to see mom and dad in the word for, for, them, for that desire to come upon them. They've got to see some things happening, right? That's got to be modeled because it, it's, it's, a, it's like a virus. It's so contagious when the word of God lights you, when the spirit of God lights you. It becomes, it's contagious, right? And the first thing we, I wanted to be contagious in is in, in my own family. So, um, so some of the keys, uh, I think, there's just five of them, five keys that I think for personal revival. And, and the first thing that I want to talk to you about, and if you have your Bibles, which, man, bring them. Bring your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7, um, the first thing is, 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 is paying the price in prayer and fasting, okay? That's the first thing for, for personal, uh, paying the price in prayer and fasting, but especially, like, I mean, just, just in prayer. Because you're probably not going to fast 365 days a year. But you should be praying 365 days a year, you know, constantly. Your house, your, this house is the temple of, of the Spirit of God. And so prayer is the incense. And there should always be incense in the temple of God, right? The prayers are like incense. And so, and so uh, I may not be fasting 24-7. There may be times throughout the year that I, I'm fasting for specific things. Maybe just to draw close. Maybe for a specific reason. But prayer is all, my house is a house of prayer, <laughs> right? This, this temple is the house of of prayer. And so I'm paying the price in prayer. What does that look like? Well, look at Matthew chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 7. I want to tell you here the, the, the interesting thing about um, Matthew and what's happening and how it's situated here. I, I think when you go right into 5, 6, and 7, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and, and what Jesus is going to be teaching here, it's really, it's real, this is really massive revelation. Let me tell you why. Because it has been 400 years since Malachi last spoke, the last book of the Old Testament. And for 400 years, there has not been a, a, a prophetic word or any move of the Spirit of God. 400 years. That doesn't mean that they stopped praying. 
But you ever had those times in your life where as you're, as you're praying, it just, it, it just doesn't feel like your prayers are getting through? Been there? Done that? Bought the t-shirt? Right? You're offering, you're like, God, God, come, God. And just like whatever you're praying, it just seems like there's just, there is nothing happening. It's like, God, I don't know what to do. It feels like you're not hearing me. It feels like uh, some people would use like the heavens are like brass or, or iron it's just, or that veil we talk about and things are just hitting. It doesn't seem to be getting through. And I'm not talking about collectively. I'm talking about some, a lot of times in your personal life. It's like it's even hard to go to your prayer closet or go to that place where you desire to pray because you just, you don't feel like he's listening or that it's worth it. And so Israel has been in 400 years of, okay, there's 400 years this, 400 years that, and 400 years now of, of not seeing a move of God, although they've been praying. And, and this time, they're in bondage, but they're not in bondage to, really, the Egyptians. And, and yes, Rome has invaded, but they're, they're really not in bondage to Rome. They're in bondage to religion. And so Jesus is coming on the scene, right? And, and he's baptized, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he's, he's tested in the desert and all that kind of stuff. And then he's coming out, and, uh, and uh, it says that after, after, after the testing that he was released in power, right? And so he goes, the Sermon on the Mount, he begins teaching, and he's teaching people something that they have no knowledge of or experience of, but yet there is a desire for. And so they haven't really heard from God for 400 years. Oh, they've, they've been to the synagogues. They're listening to the rabbis. But if you remember, when Jesus is speaking, they are locked into him because all of a sudden they're like, hey, this guy is preaching like with, 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 like with words and power that we've never heard or felt or experienced before. Why? Because it's been 400 years. People have, have been born and died under a heaven where... It didn't feel like God was ever listening. And all of a sudden, the time has come where, where Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's all open. <laughs> it is open. That, that is ended. Now the time has come where, where Jesus, the Son of God, is coming upon the earth, and he is ending the 400 years of silence. The sound of silence. It's over. And so now he's coming and talking and, uh, with the people and trying to, re to, to, to get that fire down into him about, of what God is desiring to do, not just through him, but through his people. It's the same today. God is desiring to work. God is desiring to move. Forget about... Uh, Forget about your pride in thinking that he's calling you to a, a massive Billy Graham ministry. Forget about platform type stuff. I, I, and don't get me wrong, Billy Graham is awesome. Uh, I've got that, uh, I got the Billy Graham channel on my uh, Cirrus, whatever, thing on my, in my car. And so I'm listening, I, you, I gotta tell you something. Man, I'm like getting saved again, listening to Billy talking in the 40s and 50s because you want to know what he's saying he's saying the exact same thing of what is happening today and what we're seeing 
I mean, I'm like, it's as if he were preaching today. The things, and you want to know why? Because the word of God is never irrelevant. And so I'm listening to him, and, and I'm like, Jesus, light me on fire, man. Please. Okay, so I, gotta, I wanna pay the price in prayer. He's like, what does paying the price mean? It's like, because um, it sounds like you're saying I can buy something. No, I'm not saying you can buy something with money. I'm saying that I'm willing to get up at one o'clock in the morning if I feel the spirit of God move me. And he will. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'll pay the price and whatever. You know, Lord, I will come on Monday nights. I will, Lord, if you want people praying in this house 24-7, Seven days a week. In my, in my own heart, I'm like, who's going to come? It doesn't matter about the who. Is are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to do? Are you willing to walk? Are you willing to go and do the things that may not be done that God is asking and desiring for in you and in this place? We can be so consumed with the things of this world, can't we? And look what he says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Before, there was nothing being given to them. Before, there was just the law. It's all we know how to do. We do our festivals, and we do all these different kinds of things, because that's what Moses taught us to do. But there's really no life in it. There's, there's nothing happening. I don't feel God moving. Never see the fire falling. Nothing is, nothing. It's just, it's just, blah. And all of a sudden, Jesus is coming on saying, let me tell you something, prayer. If you ask your father, it will be given to you. Ask, and you will receive. He who seeks is going to find. And to him who knocks, it's going to be open. So this idea of asking, seeking, and, and, and knocking that Jesus is talking about is because the heavens are open and the Father is desiring to move on the earth through his people. Hello, McFly, right? Anybody home? Jesus is, is, is alive. Jesus is real. And he says, for everyone who asks, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be known. Or what man is there among you who where his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? If, if, if your children come and ask for you for food, are you going to give them marbles? Well, I don't have any bread, but here, eat the marbles or play with that. No, you don't. If you, being evil people, this is Jesus talking, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? What are you asking for? Because I feel sometimes in in surrounding area that we're asking just to get by. And we come before him like, Oliver, please, sir, may I have, have some more? Could I have just... We're, we're asking to just give me enough so I don't die, but that's not what Jesus does. Stands up in, in, in the temple and says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. 
And I'll give you something to drink, and within you are going to be living springs of water. So while God is not going to flood the earth again with physical water, through the Spirit, He is desiring to flood His children with the water of the Spirit to where you will never thirst for anything else again. I'm not saying you're never going to thirst for physical water, but you're never going to thirst for the spiritual things because He's going to satisfy you with them. It means you're never going to go to any other well. Four hundred years of silence, asking, seeking, knock. He's giving him a vision that, listen, the Father hasn't left you. The Father's not sleeping. Now is the time, and I'm going to teach you about the Father, and this is what you do in relationship to him. You ask, you seek, you knock. You go after it with all your heart. Don't you give up, for in due time you will reap, right? You're going to reap these things. You're going to reap it. See, but see, we, we got so much going on. Man, listen, we've been through, we're going through, um, you know, the pandemic. We've got other things on the line. We've got RSV. We've got, we got, we got flu. Uh, we got M-O-U-S-E. We've got all these different kinds of things that are coming on the earth, whether it's si- uh, sickness and all these different kinds of things. There's a lot of things, Steve, that are, that are, that are in my mind that I'm, that I'm worried about, that I want to try and make sure that I don't get this and I don't get that. And, and, and let me tell you something. I, I, I don't want to get sick myself. I'd rather not have the flu. I'd rather not have. But listen, I, I am also not going to live by fear in what might happen when I know what God is desiring and asking for me right now. Doesn't mean I'm going to be stupid, but I got to pursue what I know that the Lord is calling me and us to. Because if we don't, it's not that it won't happen, it's just that it won't happen here. And I know we've got hungry and thirsty people here. Second, this is what you got to do you got to ask God for some type of apostolic vision. Because uh, I, we know that people perish for lack of knowledge. But I also know that visionless people go nowhere. Visionless people go nowhere and deal with the same things as people with vision do, but they lose their hope in thinking that anything is going to change because they've not no vision of what God is designing. And let me tell you something. I, I'm throwing out this understanding of, of this idea that God doesn't speak very much, right? Or he only speaks to a selected few people. He only speaks to the prophet. He only speaks to the apostle. All that God speaks to each and every one of his children. If you are in him, you are his child, and he speaks to you. End of story. End of story. So if God is going to speak to his children, what is he, going, what is he saying? You have to ask yourself, what, what has God spoken to me recently? What is God asking of me that maybe I put on the shelf? Has God given me some type of, of vision for my life or for the area that I'm in or, or in the next steps of my life? Has he given me that vision? It's hard to move when you don't have that. And, you say, and so you look at um, uh, Paul. 
in Acts 16.9, I've got a lot of scriptures. And you can put, I got those scriptures in there, and they're in order. So you can just pop those up. So Acts in 16.9, Paul is, does not know where to go. He has no idea of, of what's going to happen. Then all of a sudden, in um, Acts uh, 16, starting in verse 9, um, a vision appeared to Paul at night of a man in Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when we saw the vision, immediately we, we sought to go to Macedonia. So here is Paul wondering, what, where are we going to go, right? We've, we've passed through uh, these different places of Phagiria and Galatia and haven't been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Well, I, I find that funny. It's like, they're passing by these places, but God is forbidding them to speak the gospel there. So that means that God controls where he wants you to go and to whom he desires you to speak to. Even that is under his sovereign will and plan. That's not to say that he's never going to go to Galatia or Phygeria or any of those other kinds of things. Maybe that's left for somebody else or maybe that's at a different time. So where do I go? Because we've been forbidden to go here. And all of a sudden, there is a vision. And the vision of the Macedonian man saying, Hello! Come! Help us! Got the vision. Boom. We know what God is, where God has called us to go. And now we're going we're gonna to wait for about 12 to 16 weeks and put out a fleece. And we're going to just make sure that we know that we don't. No! None of that! He's like the Beverly Hillbillies, man. They put Granny in the back of the truck and they loaded out the Beverly Hills. We gone. We know that that's what we're going to do. We don't need a fleece. Don't need any of this kind of stuff. We know from a vision what God has called us to do. Nothing is going to distract us from it, not even ourselves. Now let's get going. See, we need that in, in, in us. Once we get the vision, man. So you need to be asking God, God, what are you what vision do you have for them? In Acts chapter 26, and um, Paul had a, a vision for salvation, didn't he? He's on the road to Damascus, got knocked off his donkey or whatever, hits the ground, the light comes through, and all of a sudden, uh, and every, there are people around him too. They hit the ground, they hear a voice, they can't really see anything, but they hear the voice. They don't really understand what's going on. But Paul sees and hears the voice of speaking to him so much so it impacted him so much that that vision is going to be the basis of what he's going to be talking about when it comes to being in bondage and going to Agrippa and Festus. So in Acts chapter 26, he says, um, uh, he's talking to uh, verse 16. He says, uh, he's talking about this, he's talking to Agrippa, and he says to them, hey, but, of what Jesus says, but, but get up and stand on your feet for the purpose that I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So what happened in Damascus? What happened on that road? All of a sudden, Paul is like, it's salvation. I'm saved. I, I, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then the rest of my life. 
So it's not like Paul's like, hey, I've been saved. And so just going to sit back and drink mochas and uh, make tents and talk about fun things. Like coffeehouse Christianity. No, 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 no. Paul's like, first of all, he's blind from the experience. So there's this thing that happens where he's had this vision, God speak. He leaves it blind and has to be led to, uh, <laughs> to he has to be led everywhere. And he's sitting in this house. And then Ananias gets a vision from God. Go and talk to this guy who was killing everybody and putting him in prison. Well, you must be crazy and off your rocker, Lord. I know you didn't say Saul. Yeah, Saul, uh, uh, he's mine now. So he's going to... So he gets the scales fall off his eyes. But you know what he doesn't have to do? He doesn't have to figure out what his next step is. He knows that he has been called by God to go and preach the gospel. And it is evident from what he is saying in his testimony to Agrippa that there was quite the conversation that went on. He's like, listen, you're going to be a minister and a witness, not only in the things which you have seen, but also the things in which I will appear to you. I'm going to rescue you from Jewish people and from Gentiles to whom I am sending you. So the very people that I'm going to send you to are going to hate you and not like you. But don't worry, I'm going to rescue you from them. But you still got to go. So his whole purpose after, after that encounter with God was the rest of my life is, is preaching the gospel and going where he tells me to go so that there are going to be people there who are living in the dominion of Satan, but they're going to be transferred from that into the dominion of God and the kingdom of God. People! I mean, this is it. And everywhere he goes, he's, he's talking about that. Agrippa. Festus, going to go to Rome, going to talk about Jesus. Why? Because he had an encounter through a vision. And it changed the rest of his life. Let me tell you something. Desiring and asking God for that type of encounter, I, I will, one, be ready. Two, be serious. Be serious. Because whatever he gives you is, is the rest of your life type of stuff. Locked on, set. Not saying I'm never going to have problems. Of course I am. But, but the strength of what God, uh, the encounter that I've had with God, the vision that God gives me is going to give me the strength in walking it out into this life when tough trials are going to come again. You don't think Paul had tough trials? When they were heading out to go to, to Rome because he appealed before Caesar He's like, I would not leave yet. <laughs> He's like, I think uh, we're in for some bad weather. Ah, uh, we're going to go, Paul. Fourteen days they were in a storm. The people in the boat hadn't eaten for 14 days because of the fear of what was going on in the storm that overtook them. And Paul's like, here, take a little food. An angel came to me and said, we're all going to be all right. So no matter what you see going on out here, the big waves, all that kind of stuff, this is what the Lord God has spoken to me through an angel, a messenger, that said, we're all going to be all right. So have a little food. Strengthen yourself. Because this is what the word of the Lord God told me through another vision. Now, I'm not saying that, well, yeah, I am. Because the Bible says that they ate and they were strengthened. And they had hope. To the point where they go to, they land, right, in Malta. 
getting firewood. And, and the natives that were there were helpful to them, gathering wood, going to build fires for them. Paul's like, I'm going to bail to Rome. I know that's my death. I know that that's going, blah, 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 picking up firewood and a viper latches onto his hand and everybody saw it and they're like, oh, he must be a murderer. He didn't get judged in the sea, but now he's going to get judged by the viper. Judgment in the stake, man. And the, you know, you know this is true because they're looking at him like, well, he's going to swell up and then he's just going to drop dead because that's what poison of the snake does. And they're watching him and like, dude, he, he ain't swelled up yet. Right? That there's nothing happening. All of a sudden, man, he ain't no murderer. <laughs> this, guy's, this, is a, this guy's a god. That's what they said. Small G God. He, he's not a small G God. It's the big G God that is living within him that has called him to go. And not even a viper who will kill you in Africa even today because most times you're miles away from any type of help to get you a shot to make you be okay. You get bit by a cobra in the bush of Africa, make your arrangements quickly because you're going to go meet God. Unless. All right. So you ask, ask God. Listen, it's very easy to become comfortable in the life that you're living in Christianity. I know that. It is. And I'm not saying, I'm not, hear my heart. Um, I'm not saying you're not doing enough. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I think that God is desiring to do more. And there's a big difference between those two statements. All you got to do is receive. Be ready to move. Three, here's another thing that you need to do. You need to, you need to get with those who are, are like-minded with you. You writing this down? You gotta, maybe you got photographic memory. That's great, too. So one is you got to pay the price in prayer. We also call this getting a new wineskin, Right? Jesus said, you can't put new wine in old wineskin because it'll tear apart. So you've got to have new wineskin wine for new wine. Pay, paying the price. Two, we call it paying the price, but that's just like natural living in the kingdom. Okay? All right. Two, get this vision. Ask God for this vision for you. Because Paul always testifies of the vision that God gave. Get with those who are like-minded and also understand what it means to be being submitted to the Lord. And this one is easy. This is Acts chapter 1. Are they... Are they is, oh, good. They are up there. I look back there and it's empty. So sometimes it always doesn't show up back there. Okay, cool. So Acts chapter 1, starting uh, in verse 12. Look what he says. Um, Uh, the upper room. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they'd entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. And that is Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James. And then these all 
were, with, were of one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is the biggest thing. The problem we have in the church today as a whole is we're not of one mind at all. We are not of one mind. As a matter of fact, sometimes we have divided minds where we have one foot desiring God, but we have one foot in the pleasures of the world. That doesn't work for us personally, and it doesn't work for a church collectively. Unity of, of, of mind and purpose. It's, it's not something that, that you can do in and of yourself and in your own strength. It, it really comes by saying, God, I, I want what you want. I want to do what you want me to do. And, and I want to get with people who want the same thing. And so we're going to pray together. We're going to seek God together. And, we're, we're going to be, and, and there's going to be power that's going to come in the unity of people coming together and praying and seeking him. The problem with the church, again, is we are not of one mind. The church as a whole. You, you know that there are spots where that's not true. And that's where, honestly, I believe that God is, is pouring out his spirit on. Because people are desiring. I'm not going to say that it's going to happen the first time you pray. But as you continue to pray and, and, and there's a relentlessness in your pursuit of, of not letting go, it's right. It's like I'm, I'm not letting go of him. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can get, get to where he's at, if I can just this, this, you know, it, it, it's that part inside of us that desires more and more of him. And not only more of him, but to be more like him in all things. I just, I just don't want to be me who has a little bit of Jesus. I want Jesus, the character of Christ, to envelop all of who I am. Because he understands unity. God, I pray in John chapter 17 that they would be one as you and I are one. See, if Jesus prays something, that means it's possible for people on earth to experience oneness through his spirit. God, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one, as I and you and you and, and me and us and they and all. I, I pray for that unity and that oneness, which means that it's possible. When he prays, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven, means that his will in heaven can and should be done on earth because he taught us to pray that way. These are not just things that we just do as tradition. These are prayers that have been prayed and taught us how to pray by Jesus to effectively go in and do the will and the work of the kingdom. Four, you have to make a choice. And that choice is to believe what God has said and what God is doing. You, you, gotta, you got to make a choice. 
Listen, you, uh, Joshua, go to Joshua 24. All right. This is what he says. Joshua is, I think, you know, getting ready to, to pass on. And he's, he's kind of going through, uh, in 24, he's reviewing kind of the history of what God has done for them. Listen, he, why is he telling them what God has done for them? Because listen, man, it's easy to forget and to put it by the wayside what he did in the past, which leaves you with no hope for now and the future. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? That means what happened in your past is not necessarily over. It's building blocks that give you hope for the now and the future of what you believe God is, is asking you to be, do or be a part of. So I experienced healing with God on my first mission trip, right? I told you this story. I know it's old. But the healing that God did strengthened my faith for more. Because like, whoa, come on, Kurt, Cletus, bring it. Do you see that bug? All right. So, what happened, what God did on the way to Peru strengthened me to believe that I can trust him in other areas and for bigger things. Because I went with a medical problem. And I was scared to death. But I had one voice that said, if you will go and get on the plane, I'll take care of the rest. That's all he said. And in my flesh, I'm weak and I'm scared. But I didn't let that make the decision. All I had was a phrase, you get on the plane, I'll take care of the rest. And I got on the plane, and he took care of the rest. I didn't suffer in Peru like I had suffered on the way to the airport. You know, Mick. Kidney stones will make you cry. And this kidney stone was actually a planet <laughs> with rings. It was like Saturn orbiting my kidneys. And I was in pain. I even had the elders come the night before and pray for me at my mom and dad's house. I got ready to go, still in pain, on the way to Chicago, doubled over in the back of the car. It was you, me, Pastor Chris, Mike Wiersema. I think that was it, the four of us. You all were fine, and I was crying. I didn't know what to do. I just knew I was hurting. But in that instance, he gave me a phrase. I trusted in what he said, and I found him to be faithful. Might be interesting for you to know is that he didn't take the kidney stone away. It was still in my body. It just stopped hurting. Because it came out when I got home. And it let me know on the way out. So he, he didn't really take the kidney stone away. 
He just, he just made it stop. See, that was a storm in me. And he just simply said, be still. I'm a, if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. Because that's just who he is. But I have to make a choice of whether I will believe what he said and what he's doing. In Joshua 24, 14, he's like, listen, he'd gone through this litany of what he's told them. This is what God has done for you. This is the land that he's given you. Don't go after other gods. Don't do this. Don't blah, blah, blah. Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river of Egypt and serve the Lord. If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose yourself today whom you will serve, whether it's the gods of your father served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, Joshua is saying, as for me, and he's about to die. So what he's not saying is, I have served God, and it's towards the end. No, he's saying, but as for me, in my house, we are serving the Lord. End of story. We serve him. You don't want to serve him? Fine. Choose. Amorites, gods of your fathers, whatever you want to do. If that's what you want to do, fine, go. But as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. That's going to be powerful for them because they've seen what God has done through them. Because they were lost because Moses died. You know, God done amazing things through the leader that has brought people out of bondage. They've seen a lot, even though they're cranky and they've been dumb, but they've seen God work and Moses has been around and he was the man and all of a sudden Moses has died and here's Joshua. Can you imagine being the guy who has to pick up that mantle of Moses? I mean, think about this. And the only thing Joshua has at the very beginning is the Lord said, hey, listen, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. Now be courageous. See, the Lord can brag on himself because he's all that in a bag of chips. He really is. And so... Joshua or you or I are in so much turmoil because this happened or that happened or the leader fell or this happened or, or goodness or what are we going to do and, and, and it could all come crashing down to the end as if God is not sitting on his throne all knowing and all powerful and everywhere at once and all of a sudden and, and, and Joshua's like could be like oh what are we going to do and the people are like oh what are we going to do and God just comes down and says as I was with Moses so I'm going to be with you now be courageous as a matter of fact, be very courageous. And that's all Joshua's got. He got word. Uh, it's straight from the Lord. But he's also got a history, doesn't he? Because he has been at the, <laughs> at the doorway of the temple when the Lord has shown up and talked to Moses. So Joshua knows that the Lord can, is faithful, but yet there's still that thing. When you take on that mantle of, of, of leadership, you take it over from someone, or, or you're taking over what God is, is calling you to do, there is that, oh, you stepped in it now, boy. Right? There's that, that, just that feeling, and all you got is, is what the Lord has said. And you want to know why? Because that's all you need. His word is sufficient for you. His word 
is sufficient for you because he is not like man who lies. He is faithful even when we are unfaithful. That's the goodness of who he is. So you got to make a choice, man. And let me tell you, it, it, it happens like with Joshua. It's like, I, I'm going to make a choice right now. I'm going to follow the Lord. And then tomorrow, I'm going to make that choice again. I'm going to follow the Lord. And tomorrow, I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to follow the Lord. You know what I'm talking about. You're making that choice. you got to make that choice every single day. And you are always on my mind. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you this right now. What I said to you in my house is it in my house? I don't know, house or here, his house, whatever. It doesn't matter. No, it was in there. What I said to you last year still rings true today. Do you remember? You do. Good. Because it was a Wednesday night. It is still true today. Even if you struggle with unfaithfulness, he never does. In his, and he is waiting to work his word through you. And it's going to happen. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what last night was. I don't know. But I'm telling you what today is. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, if you will humble yourself and trust him, I'll tell you what tomorrow will be. The same faithfulness that was of today. It ain't over for you. Ain't no fat lady singing in heaven. Okay? She been barred and kicked off. It ain't over. It ain't over. Okay? Now, that's not just for him, is it? Because we all struggle with different things, don't we? Struggling to wonder if what he said way back then, which is not seeming to work out right now, is ever going to work out. Because you got a desire but things just ain't happening. And what you knew in the light, because you always, you always going to go through some darkness. You just are. Because the world is a dark place, and you are in the world, but you're not of the world. And so there's always going to be darkness that you're going to be going through and walking through. And that darkness is going to try to attach itself to you. And that darkness is going to try and bring doubt. That darkness is going to say, this is the way the world really is. And in one sense, it's true. What it's not telling you is this is what the God who is in you will do because he has overcome that world that you're living in. Right? And so you can focus on the world and how hard and how dark it is, but, or else you can focus on the God who is in you who has overcome that world. One is going to give you hope. The other is going to give you despair. One's going to give you hope. Other's going to give you despair. Okay? You know. You focus. I know it's tough. I haven't even talked to you for a while. But I know things are tough just because the Spirit of God lets us know things about people. Just His people. It ain't easy. But it ain't over. It ain't over. You know what's going through my mind? <laughs> One more round. I was going to try and show that Rocky clip. Remember in, oh, which one was it? One, two, three, four. 
where he's fighting Tommy Gunn, his protege. And it doesn't go to the boxing arena. It goes to the, uh, yeah, wait, no, one, two, five. Thank you, yeah. I forgot he fought Creed twice. Yeah, and the Russian, yeah. Right, and what used to be his protege is now listening to the world and going after fame and riches instead of staying. And they're like, let's get Rocky in the ring. And Rocky's like, I'm going to fight you in the ring. And all of a sudden it turns into a street fight, right? And oh, Tommy Gunn is a tough dude. And they're fighting in the street fight. They're fighting in the fights and in the street and all this different kind of stuff. And Rocky's getting pummeled and he's down on the ground. And all of a sudden you got this, you got this image of the prophet Mick. <laughs> get up, Rock, right? Get up! One more round. See, the world is going to hit you like that. The world is going to try and beat you down. Uh, the enemy is going to try and beat you down because he does not want to, and he's going to do everything he can to release all of hell against you, but that's okay. That's external. What he's, what he's seeing is, if it's, is what you've got inside you <laughs> is real. If he tested Jesus... He's going to test you, okay? And so when he finds out that what's within you is real and glory, guess what? It destroys his work. One more round. It ain't over. So you got 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Go there real quick. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, right? So listen, you got a choice. You can love the world or you don't love the world. Don't love the world, Romans 12, 2. We'll go quickly. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He's working out himself and his will in you. It's not over. Colossians 3, 4 and 7. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Yes. And then that's not just the glory at the end. That's the glory that's waiting to be revealed here on earth as well, too. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of eternity. But that down payment is enough to do the will and the work of the God while we're still breathing air. Five. Last one. You ready? Here it is. Obedience, 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 obedience. Now that's got a negative connotation because as soon as we hear obedience, we track ourselves back through our flesh in the Old Testament and reading how God said be obedient and they could never do it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. Do you remember what we talked about last week in Covenant and Kingdom? Okay? Guys, there is a um, PowerPoint that has the triangle that says Father, Identity, and Obedience. And it's got a bunch of, there's like three of them, and it's got a bunch of words up there around it too. So it's like maybe five, six, or seven on the, uh, on the um, PowerPoint. Can you see the PowerPoint? Okay, you got it? Whoa, great job, Silas. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about. The triangle, can you see that a little better? Okay, good. So, under covenant, right, 
we have the triangle. Three things. We have Father, who gives us our identity through grace. Our identity is where we experience freedom to where we'll be able to be obedient. And from obedience, we will reflect the glory that God has is in us back to the Father. It's as simple as that. I'm not being obedient so that I can make him happy. I'm living obedient because I finally know who I am. Power of God comes through the understanding that I really am his child, that I really am his son, that I really am his daughter. And when I go from that, listen, we know we're not talking about perfection. We, We get that. That's always our out. I know. But when you understand, and I know we, sometimes we beat identity to death, that's because the wrong identity has been beaten into you, which is death. What I'm trying to beat into us is life that comes through the understanding of who we are in him, where we're seated, Ephesians tells us. I'm not seated where the rest of the world is seated. I'm seated in the heavenlies with him. I have access to spiritual blessings that the rest of the world who is not in him does not have. Okay? So I f- understand that he's not just a, an unknown God. He's a father who's established my identity because he's so full of grace like he did with Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He is saying that over you if you are in him. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. It doesn't matter that you don't feel that way. What you feel is not the truth. Hello. The truth is the truth. And if how you feel doesn't match up with what the truth says, you don't change the truth. You change how you feel to match up with the truth. Well, Steve, I don't feel like a son or daughter. It don't matter how you feel. Are you in him? Yeah, I'm in him. I believe that he's the son of God. I believe that he came to die for my sins. I love him. I want to be with him. I want to do what he wants me to do. I just don't feel it. Don't matter how you feel. It matters what the truth of God says in his word and what he says in the spirit about you. But I just stop focusing on how you feel. Focus on the truth because the truth will change how you feel at some point in time when you have locked your, built your foundation upon the rock of his truth it will change how you feel don't live by how you feel live by his truth changes everything are you getting that good so now I can do what he says because I know who I am and I know who he is and I know that he's not angry with me come on people We've grown up in religions that thought God was angry. That everything, he's just so disappointed in you. He's just so blah, blah, blah. That is heresy. That is garbage. He didn't send his son to die on a cross to still remain angry. He sent his son to die on a cross so that you and him could be in fellowship together. Say, but I don't feel that way. Doesn't matter how you feel. Believe what is true. And then when he says something, I want to do what he says because he's my dad. Oh, you just called God dad. I, that, I don't think that was very, you know, respectful. He calls himself dad. 
Abba. He's my Abba. He's my daddy. Because he wants, that's who, that's who he is. I know that he's God. I know that he's a king, the other triangle. I, yes. But I know that he is the best father I've ever had. And I had a good one. But he is so good to me. You want to know why? Because I've done enough stupid stuff that he could be done with me. And he chooses not to be. And so have you. And he still looks on you and says, that's my boy. That's my girl. And I'm like, how can you say that about me? Because it's not about how you feel, Steve. Ben. It's about the truth of who I am. And what Jesus did is so final that whatever happens, I look at you through him and I see good. Lastly, don't rationalize obedience. When he gives you something or he says something, just do it. Just do it. Listen, um, I didn't write down the scripture. The last scripture, just put the last scripture up there. The very last one. I think it'll be Matthew. I think it might be, it's 26. What's this last one? You got it? Okay, good. No, it's not that one. Okay. So, this is what happens. Jesus says, a man had two sons. So the first son, he goes out and he says, hey, I want you to go out and work in my vineyard. The son says, I'll do it, but he doesn't go. The second son, he says, I want you to go out and the work in the vineyard. The second son says, I ain't going to do it, but then thinks about it, and then later goes out and does what his father asked him to do. And Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, which one did the will of his father? Well, the second son. And that's where he says, okay, go to the next one. Oh, no, right there, sorry. Truly I say to you that tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you because he asked them to go to work in their vineyard. They told him they would, but they never did. And now these tax collectors and all these prostitutes are like, dude, we weren't doing it before, but we're in now. And it's like all those who you say are undefiled and unclean and wicked, the worst kinds of people and all, now these people are going to come into the kingdom before you because they're doing the will and the work of my Father. And they're not just like, well, we, we got to go in the vineyard today and I got to go heal somebody or I got to go talk about Jesus. Man, they are lit because their whole identity has changed. They are no longer the prostitute. They are no longer the tax collector. They are no longer the adulterer. They are no longer the murderer. They are no longer any of these other kinds of things because he changes your identity when he comes to reside in you. Listen to what, he, what Paul says, right? These are the things. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become what? new that's you baby you ain't what you were you're not quite what you're going to be but you're sure on track and he is working in you to finalize the deal man well i don't feel that way well your feelings are wrong because that's the truth of what he says stop Stop being a spiritual teenager and arguing about your father, what your father says all the time because you're going to get a little bit older and you're going to find out he was right anyway. 
When I was 16, my dad did not know anything about the world. He was so, just so behind in the times. And at 16 years old, I knew what the world was really like. Mom and dad, right? Come to find out a little bit later on in life that that wasn't really the truth. That my dad was right. And just as it was like that in the, 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 my reality, it is like that with my Heavenly Father. I'm going to stop arguing with him about his truth. I'm just going to believe it. I'm going to let that change everything inside of me. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.